Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Predetermined, a pro wrestling hangout. I'm your host, Garrett Callender, and with me, as always, a man who will absolutely not spoil Avengers Endgame for you, you fucking baby, Derek Halpin. And I won't spoil uh, Game of Thrones for you either, because I haven't seen either of those things, Garrett. That's why. That's fine. I, You know, and you're just a good person who wouldn't ruin things. I'm not a big spoiler person, uh, but I will say... I did ruin a hockey game for you last week. You did. Um, I couldn't be mad, though, because it was good spoilers. You know, if you had said, ah, man, they lost. Actually, both <laughs> both ones would have been okay, I think. Not mad at you. Derek, I saw yeah. Avengers. I'm not going to talk about it because I don't want to be responsible for you spoiling anything. I don't want to be attached to this. No spoilers at all. I just, all I'm saying is I would have booked Thanos differently. You would have booked what? <laughs> this is way over my head. First of all, I full disclosure, I am so far behind on the MCU movies that like I don't. That's why like me spoiling in Endgame is not a uh, not a thing anyone should be concerned about because I have to get caught up on second Guardians of the Galaxy, a couple Thor movies, hey Black Derek. Panther. You don't have to. I took seven years off or some shit from watching these movies, and I Garrett, went to see. I this haven't one. even seen part one. Well, that one you should probably see, but yeah, <laughs> I think probably. That's it. Guess what? Everything else, you'll fucking figure it out. It's a comic book movie. But you have recommended Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, and I've heard lots of great things about Thor Ragnarok. Thor Fraggle Rock. Fraggle Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's what it's the, called. Sure. Yeah, you said the title wrong. Yeah. Derek, hit our goddamn music. I love that after we have an intro that's a little bit awkward, I can always hear you giggle a little bit as we go into our music. Yeah, that's a part of the show. That's how it opens. <laughs> it opens with a giggle. Hey, it's your fucking, it's your birthday on Friday. It is. This episode doesn't fall, you know, in time to land on my birthday or come after, so it's in that awkward just before my birthday stage. So are you saying that the people don't have to wish you a happy birthday this week? Nobody has to wish me a happy birthday this week. I'm turning 32. I'm getting old. I'm going to bed earlier. I don't even have time to make it through Raw and SmackDown anymore. Not that necessarily anything's going on that's worth staying up for anyway. I got about 30 minutes into Raw this week, and I said, eh, that's enough. That's about that's about how a bullshit Raw starts. A bunch, <laughs> of, partici bunch of participants in a, a match at a pay-per-view starting the show and then going, hey, let's have a tag match. And that was enough for me. I did watch almost all of SmackDown. But, did you uh, happen to watch the Cody Rhodes promo? See, I've been meaning to yell at you about this since last week. Do you want to know why, Garrett? Yeah, why? I told you about the Cody Rhodes promo. That just launched this week. Garrett, we talked the other day. 
and I said to you, <laughs> okay, we talked on the phone. This had nothing to do with the podcast. Garrett and I had a phone conversation where I told him, Cody Rhodes said this awesome thing where he said he's here to kill the Attitude Era, and you laughed and said that's awesome. And then like an hour later, you're like, dude, you got to watch this Cody Rhodes promo. See, I thought you read an interview or something. I didn't know you saw the video too, so I don't didn't know I was an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. But seriously, though, we haven't <laughs> talked to them about it. No, let's talk about the promo because uh, it's an emotional one, and it's it's damn solid promo, and it's got people talking, and you were hyped up about it, obviously, because you, 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 <laughs> you completely bypassed the fact that I had told you about it, and you were excited to tell me about it. So, uh, you excited for Dustin Rhodes versus Cody Rhodes at Double or Nothing? Yes, I am excited for that. But the promo got me excited for even more than just that match. It kind of got me excited in a way that they've talked about how they want to have more of a real fight feel to AEW, which leads me to believe maybe do promos more like a New Japan show where it's all behind the scenes. And if that is the style promo... That got me so fucking hyped for their show and also for that match, but also for that, you know, Cody's never been the best wrestler, but it looks like he has gone out and taken some fucking acting lessons and went out to be the best fucking actor. You say things like this, but I don't, why, why, what are you knocking Cody's wrestling for? Well, I mean, like when you watch him go up against somebody like Omega or Okada, you know, just he's not on the same level as those guys, like, you know, high speed, like dangerous shit wise. I'm not saying Cody's a bad wrestler at all. I'm just Garrett, saying, he, Garrett, he squeezed a good match out of Nick Aldis. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are we talking about? No, I like Cody. You know what I mean though? Like he wasn't when he was in WWE. I feel like it wasn't his wrestling. That was the thing that always grabbed you. It was his ability to be a character. I I will definitely agree that Cody's biggest strength is his character and his promos and uh, the wrestling takes a backseat to that. But I also don't think his wrestling's that far behind a lot of his peers. So we don't need to talk about what he can't do in the ring because he's pretty damn good. I'm not arguing that he can't do anything. I'm just saying like if you're I had saying to make- he sucks at being a professional wrestler is what you're saying. I don't you're want saying- Cody Rhodes mad at me. You're saying that he's basically like Bobby Roode. Bobby Roode's just an entrance, and you're saying all Cody is is a promo. <sighs> Derek, Derek, Derek. Are you upset? I I'm upset. Got you a little irritated now? All right, I let's don't... do this show. <laughs> <laughs> no, just what's funny is the night after, or the day I watched that, I guess it, that was came out on a Sunday, Leah was coming home from watching Game of Thrones at somebody's house, And I just wanted an outside perspective because as I watched that promo, I thought this might be one of the best promos I've ever seen. Like it gave me goosebumps. He fucking cried in it. He's the Leonardo DiCaprio pro wrestling now, Derek. (laughs) And and I had Leah come in. I was like, it's only four minutes. I swear. Watch this. And when it was over, she was like, that's really fucking good. And I sent that to a few friends just to see like, do I think this is really good? Or does somebody who watch wrestling not watch wrestling? Can they look at this and think, oh shit, that's not what I thought of when I thought of pro wrestlers talking. Yeah. I mean, it it was epic. I mean, and he touched on a lot of hot button issues that, you know, 
the Smarks love to discuss. They, he brings up CM Punk's pipe bomb promo. He brings up the the bodybuilder thing from WWE. He brings up the Rock. Uh, I don't know. It's a generational war that's going on right now, and, and it's not even fair to call it a war. It's just there's a there's a weird attempt at the current era or current generation of wrestlers to establish themselves at, despite all the comparisons that they get to wrestling at its peak from maybe 20 years ago. And they, like he says in the promo, you know, they're constantly being, you know, compared to the attitude era and he's not there to hurt his brother. He's there to put that era to an end. And I think, it's brother versus brother, and I think in a lot of circumstances, maybe that's enough. But I think them adding this other element to it, I mean, I think that was genius. And I think the promo was amazing. It is one of the better promos I've ever seen. And I just thought it was cool that it was a promo for a match that we had had no build for. This was the build. You know, this is the start of that. And this got me so fucking excited for All In and All you know, all elite or I'm sorry, double or nothing and all elite wrestling. But then I flipped over the next night and I was watching raw <laughs> and they had Seth Rollins and AJ styles, you know, cutting promos leading to their money in the bank match. I had this four minute awesome promo from Cody. And then I had a 20 minute segment of two dudes sitting in office chairs <laughs> in a ring. Yeah. Just having what felt like a very casual conversation. I mean, they're sitting there just swiveling in chairs. Like, as they're promoing, they're just like what I would do if I were in that. And I'll be honest, I don't think 20 minutes of office chairs got me super hyped for that match. I think the match between those two itself is enough to be excited. I don't think people necessarily need a feud. Uh, and I and I alluded to it a minute ago. I think one of the issues that they're going to have to overcome, especially as AEW gets rolling, is God damn, they are so formulaic to a huge fucking fault. And the contract signing stuff is so contrived. I get it. It's pro wrestling. It's all contrived. But you, you've seen it too many times. And there's nothing... It, it's just even going back, like I said, to the way raw opened where it's like, they tell you, Hey, here's going to be the participants in this match. Let's all get them out there. And Oh, su su surprise, surprise match tag team, whatever. And you've just seen it. You've seen a show begin like that so many times. And then they wonder why people aren't sticking around. I guess this week had record low ratings again. Now, how many times since we started the podcast have we talked about, you know, well, it's changing. A lot of people watch bits of the show online or through Hulu or whatever, or they DVR it. I don't know how that works with ratings, but there's, I mean, there's a lot of explanations for why ratings have been low over the last few years or, or at least sinking. And I, but I still doesn't change the fact there is the audience is going away. Like wrestling is like at least WWE's audience is leaving. If you could going on, if you were booking raw, would you cut out the promos and have more matches in a three hour show? Um, I would occasionally like to start the show just with a match. I, I mean, there's little, there's little things that they don't do anymore. I mean, I don't want, we're talking about AEW and this awesome Cody promo. So I do want to come back to that, but it, and just, 
you're using that as a point of comparison to talk about Raw. I They don't do anything shocking anymore. And I've said this before. It's not must-see TV. Like, when was the last time you saw, like, I don't know, what would you call it? Just like some, like a violent brawl. Like, why didn't they announce the the members for the Money in the Bank thing? And, I don't know, it sets up some kind of backstage. Like, I mean, it's WWE. They, they're the kings of doing that shit. But they like to they like to go through, like fuck the show doesn't start with pyro anymore so take that element out of the equation the, the I don't know I guess I, what I'm thinking is when I saw the Cody promo it made me feel like that style of promo is more the future of wrestling than just two guys sitting in office chairs for 20 minutes uh, you can I mean if you did those promos like Cody did but then kind of did it like New Japan and you know, did the multi-man matches where, you know, it is a bunch of guys stuck together. It's usually heels and baby faces, but it's people who have stories going on so that you can kind of see the story progress through the fighting rather right. than having to just sit there and tell me a 20 minute story. Right. With words and office I chairs. Watched, oh, less I office watched, chairs is what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't, I think there's a time and a place for that. For an office chair? Yeah. I, I mean, I really do. I think I think that it, maybe if that happens once a year on one of the shows, that's fine. If it's got to be a like, big uh, match, right? And and maybe have some other people in the ring just than the two participants and Michael Cole or whoever the fuck they need to host the damn thing. But like, it it's just so overdone. Like, why do certain matches get the the contract signed and others don't? I always when I started watching New Japan when we started doing this podcast together, one of the things that really fascinated me was the press conference stuff. Like there's, I think one of the things that's so weird about pro wrestling right now is everyone's in on the fact that it's a work like that, that it's, that it's not real. And yet there's still part of you that's craving them putting forth the effort to make it simulate a real sport. And I was I bring this up because I, earlier today, or I guess it was yesterday, I was watching a um, a guest appearance of Jim Ross on Busted Open Radio uh, with uh, Bully Ray, and he was talking about some of the things that they want to bring back to matches in AEW, including time limits, like things you don't think about, like if it's an athletic competition. Another thing he brought up. You when a match is going on, you don't cut to commercial break. Like there's things that we never talk about that WWE does all the time that totally like there's such a fucking buzzkill. Oh, what was one of the big things when they when they announced AEW, which was that wins and losses are going to matter again. Instead of just formulaic booking, like I guess one of the best things WWE has done recently is they said that uh, no more automatic rematches if you lose a championship. Because there was always that lingering feeling if you were watching a show that if a title changed hands, you're like, well, we know what the uh, we know what the main event of the next pay per view is going to be. And if it was somebody you didn't like watching, like you, somebody you were right. ready to get that belt off, like kind of when gender had it. And he finally got beat, and you're like, well, god damn it, now I'm going to have to watch at least one more month of this. At least. Yeah. I think that was a smart decision on their part. 
If in and, and, and if only for the fact that it does put heat on the authority figures that you're like, once they get a title offer, you can, they can just be like, up, oh, you're gone back back of the line. I mean, it works. Though before but, we started recording, I actually was watching NXT UK. Uh, I watched the main event, which was Jordan Devlin versus Walter. And at the end of the match, Pete Dunn comes out and says, I want my rematch. And Walter just shake nods his head. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right. See, but that's, I think this is, you know, that is an instance where I would love to see a rematch. If a dude held a belt for what, 500 days or something, guy deserves a rematch. I also, but no, I think that in those circumstances, it's kind of like a, um, it makes sense. Here's another thing that this happened on SmackDown this week. I will give them credit for this. Here's something you rarely see. The champion challenges the challenger. Who, you know uh, what I mean, who stepped out and challenged somebody that was, it? did Kofi challenge KO? Co- Kofi challenged Kevin. Kevin. You're used to seeing like a fucking guy weasel his way into a situation and then saying, I won a title match or I did this because whatever. But to have the champion be like, no, fuck you. I want to face you. And yeah, I'll put my title on the line. It's it's a different. It's like, again, we're talking about just kind of like pro wrestling philosophy. It adds something. Go back to what I was saying about time limits. That impending feeling of like we're getting closer and closer to this being just like bullshit. Well, that was fun in the what, Ring of Honor's match they had before Madison Square Garden. It ended in a time limit draw, and it was a yeah. great match that led up to them just having to stop. Yeah. And that was exciting. I enjoyed that. I guess I do like that in New Japan, that when the match starts, they tell you the time limit. Right. And but, as the but, card moves up, the time limit moves up. Right. And also, like, go back to like last year. <clears throat> Think of how much better those matches between styles and Nakamura would been, would have been if it wasn't like DQ bullshit, but it had been because they were beating the shit out of each other and they lost track of time. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying it would have saved everything, but it was like, there's just like, what is, what is it about that? Can you, because again, you've introduced me to new Japan. What is it about this desire to make something that we know isn't real feel like an athletic event, like, or like a sporting event? Well, like when you add the time limit and throughout the match, you have the announcer saying five minutes in, 10 minutes in. And when you know in your head, you know, there's a time limit. The match has a sense of urgency to it. You know, it starts to pick up. It feels more important. It feels like they are working harder to end what you're watching. Plus, there's a reminder you might not get a decisive win. Like there's yeah. always the the feeling that like like the time limit's there that you might not see somebody get beat or disqualified, <laughs> like this match will just be over. I I also during that interview with with Jim Ross, um, he had said one of the things he's trying to push on them, and I, I want to get your reaction to this, is just more selling. Do you take offense to that, or like how does that fit in with the? Uh, the formula that got everyone into AEW, how does that fit with kind of their philosophy on wrestling? I don't know. Um, I could see, you know, honestly, I don't see anything wrong with more selling. It's just it with that style of wrestling, it's going to be harder to know, you know, if they're going a hundred miles an hour and hitting high spots all over the place, when do you sell the most? 
Right. Like if you're taking a devastating move at the beginning, are you selling that devastating move for this hot, fast paced match for the rest of the time? And I, yeah, I don't, the bucks got better with it though. I mean, Nick Jackson or was it, I guess Matt Jackson sold his back for like a year and a half. Right. And it was a story point within the match. I, I guess the reason I bring up that question is it's just interesting to me because we I think one of the things we'll acknowledge is that today's wrestling moves a lot faster and is more athletic. And that's part of the appeal and part of the draw. It's and kind if of... you're selling more, it does. Doesn't that naturally slow things down? It does. It's kind of weird because basically we're saying we want this to look more like a sporting event, but also more like Mortal Kombat. Right. (laughs) (laughs) We want two conflicting things. I also think, I mean, and this is unrelated, but it's, I guess it's related to AEW. It's killing me how long it's taking this thing to get going. Okay. This is, this is exactly what I wanted to talk about. So, you know, like a year in advance, Marvel will release a movie trailer or Star Wars will release a trailer and you have this long wait. And then you've got everybody in that build taking that trailer and picking every little detail apart and being like, oh, see that thing on the table? That means they're referencing this. Maybe this will happen. Yeah. And that's where we're at with AEW in such a hard way where they don't have any wrestling to give us. So all they can do is give us videos and kind of hide Easter eggs and make us speculate. And the speculation, I think, is what's keeping us interested in going. What do you think about the John Moxley video that dropped last night? I was so hyped and I love that. What did he release it at 1205? West coast correspondent, John texts me and is like, you got to watch this video. And after I watched it, he goes, wasn't it nice that he waited five whole minutes after his contract expired. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a technicality. I got super hyped for it. I mean, it was an exciting video. And I mean, uh, obviously, you know, he's he's breaking out of the, <laughs> the Ambrose Asylum. Well, let me no, let me ask you a question. You didn't necessarily give a shit about Dean Ambrose in WWE. Why would you be excited about him now? Would be my question. Is it because he's going to go back to doing what he used to do? You think, or is it just? Are you excited about his star power? I think John Moxley was an exciting wrestler. John Moxley was a fucking deathmatch wrestler. And I always found it really fascinating that a guy who had that type of background made it to WWE and made it so successful there. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, I got a little bored with him. He just didn't have anything to do. And Dean Ambrose was kind of becoming an old character. So when I see that he's switching back to John Moxley, the guy who had those crazy death matches, and in this video, you see him get tangled up in barbed wire as he's hopping a prison fence. And then you just see his hands bleeding as he wraps barbed wire around his knuckles. And to me, that was him saying, I'm back. Man, he was making that good money in WWE. Now he's going to be going back, going back to doing things that used to be brutal and not pay you that well well that's not to but, say though that he can't make wwe money doing that type of match now i mean if that's now, what he likes yeah, for sure no that that's the difference now because things have me- changed since he was an indie superstar last so that video has several references that people are picking apart thinking that it means he's going to show up at double or nothing 
Uh, I guess at the beginning, he has all the, the tick marks on the wall where he had been counting down the days. If you look, I guess uh, the ones that are lit up, it's 25, the 25th of May. And then also at the end, he's standing in place in front of a place called the Viper. And I think at first everybody thought it was the Viper Room in Los Angeles. But people are saying there's a club in Vegas called the Viper. And then the dice on the mural that he's standing in front of or the numbers two and five. He lives in Vegas. It's in Vegas. Who knows? I'm just saying Jimmy Havoc doesn't have an opponent, and I'd love to see an AEW death match on their on double or nothing. <laughs> um so are you pretty well convinced that's where he's headed? I mean, he could easily just be hiding all that shit in, but then you see that like Cody Rhodes liked his video. And I don't know, there's just other yeah, I I guess I'll put it to you this way. If he left WWE and he's not retiring, doesn't it make sense for him to go there? At this point, anyone who's huge that leaves that company, that's going to be our first thought. But what if he does the Cody Rhodes thing first and just goes and hits the Indies for a minute? Could. I mean, just picture if he showed up at a CZW show, people would lose their fucking mind. Right. I mean, if he went back to like, a, you know, a home base for himself and did a match there, I I mean, I think one of the first things, if you're wanting to see a death match, my first thought was, fuck, I need to see Dean Ambrose versus Nick Gage. Turns out that's happened, you know, fucking 20 times. So I went on YouTube <laughs> and fell down a rabbit hole of watching Nick Gage and John Moxley matches. The- See, the thing is, I've never watched anything from John Moxley, which I'm sure there's people listening to this podcast who are like, what? Why do you have a pro wrestling podcast if you don't know these things, Derek? I don't know. I'm just here. I got to get caught up on some things, obviously. But I am excited. <laughs> I am excited to uh, to see what uh, Dean Ambrose, uh, John Moxley, ends up deciding to do. Well, I think it's exciting to throw him in the mix with a group of guys that we have liked that's from, you know, a different place. Like, now we could potentially see fucking, I mean, seeing him versus Hangman would be fun. Seeing Dean Ambrose versus Joey Janela is something I'd love to see. This is, it's exciting. There's a lot of new things that we've literally never seen that this is going to be an opportunity if that's where he goes. But the other Easter eggs that have been hiding, that's Kind of pisses me off a little bit. All these CM Punk ones. Yeah, let's talk about it. I mean, it seems easy to tease that CM Punk would be there. In the new Being the Elite, uh, Matt Jackson is wearing pro wrestling tees basketball shorts that say Chicago made down the side. Well, right. And then... But that's not an Easter egg. That's not an Easter egg, but... If that's where they're made... They, I mean, pro wrestling tees is based in Chicago. That's actually just something that they say on their, on their, on their gear. That's no reference to CM Punk at all. Am I just reading into things? Am I Easter egg boy now? Like going through pointing at stuff? I think, I think you are. I'm not Easter egg boy. <laughs> you are Easter egg boy. But then today, one of the big things that was announced was that the same day as Double or Nothing. CM Punk is going to be doing commentary on an MMA show in California. And it's just, it's weird that that was announced that it's like, oh, it is the same day, which 
you know, my mind immediately goes to Jericho showing up where all we knew is he had a concert and there was no way he was going to make it. Oh, I don't know what to think. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying not to get my hopes up on anything. It would be weird for him to show up at double or nothing after passing up on all in. I mean, I'm not saying that that's the reason he's not going to be there, but it would just, it's just weird for him to come around between then and now to be like, oh, all right. Well, I think the main difference between then and now is the Khan family and how much fucking money he could potentially make. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. If that, that's so weird though, because you go back to his, uh, his thing with, um, Colt Cabana, like the podcast they did on art of wrestling one of the things he kept saying was not everything's about money. So it would definitely be funny to see him that be the deciding factor. I'm to be like, I don't like pro wrestling anymore, but not for that amount of money. I'll go do it. It just basically makes him Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Well, when he said that he didn't need the money, it's been a few years and he hasn't been doing a ton. <laughs> things change, man. What do you think about CM Punk? Yeah. Is he go? Is he going to be there? Or is he it, going to AEW? I don't care. Like, I really don't like there's been, <laughs> you don't care, but you're looking at the fucking Easter eggs. Well, cool I'm guy. looking at, I'm looking at things that are there that, you know, where everybody's going to pick apart and I'm doing the same thing, but this has been so many years now Yeah. that, you know, to me, it's you kind of <laughs> over it. It's like Vince McMahon's it's, it's passe. <laughs> <laughs> like I just as well keep rooting for a Roman Reigns heel turn. Or a John yeah. Cena heel turn. I'm I don't give a shit. Like if he comes back, awesome. If he shows up, I'm gonna pop super hard. I you know, but I'm not gonna hold my breath for it. Right. I think that's the best I think that's the best stance to take. Something else I wouldn't have held my breath for is the NWA putting on a show that I enjoyed quite a bit over the weekend, Eric. See, I, I haven't heard anything about this. They still, okay, over the weekend, they brought back the Crockett Cup, a tag team tournament, and they were going to crown new NWA tag team champions. And they kind of made a big deal out of it, and they brought in some guys from New Japan, they brought in guys from Ring of Honor, and then they had their own guys, which I think may, this helps. NWA definitely needs to every time partner with people if they're going to need people to watch this and get their own guys over. Considering the rise of AEW, is it a weird time for NWA to try to get back in the game? It, yes, but I mean, they, in all fairness, they were trying before. <laughs> I, guess that, I guess that's true. But the main issue I have with, the, with their product, I love that they make it look old. I love that they're trying to go for that original look, like the title cards look like old 70s graphics. They're, do, they're going out of their way to make this look like original NWA. Right. And the show itself, I really enjoyed a lot of matches on this card, but nearly in between every match, they bring out old NWA wrestlers, like guys who started with NWA. And to me, that is killing the momentum of those shows. Like you think they're, they're picking the wrong time to kind of honor their legacy. Well, for instance, they had a match for the U.S. title or the North, I guess, yes, the North American title, U.S. title, whatever they have. Willie Mack versus Colt Cabana. 
ended up being a great match. And what's funny is we're watching some of these guys that Jim Cornette hates and Jim Cornette has to call the match and act like it's great because he's getting paid. (laughs) One of the true highlights of, oh my God, if they had booked best friends on that show, I don't know if I could have lived. I would have just, I guess they're signed to AEW, so they can't. But even throughout the match, he goes, I'll be honest, I've had issues with Colt Cabana in the past. But he goes, now he's showing a bit of intensity. He's ma- he's looking more serious. It looks like he's trying to win the match. And he does end up winning. Colt Cabana's the new NWA US North American champ, whatever. And I don't know, I don't remember what it's called. I just know it has the United States across You're excited, it. but you don't know what it is. But then after that match is over, they bring out a line of old wrestlers, which is, yeah, it's cool to see Magnum TA, but they've brought him out at All In. They brought brought him out at that NWA show here in Nashville. Then they brought him out at this. And it's just a weird thing that kind of, I don't know, it's like their cool down match is bringing you guys that are in bad physical shape that make you feel kind of bad. Ugh. Do you, I mean, I, a, I know, how do, how do you feel about that? I think that, like I said, I think there's a time and a place to do that kind of thing. I don't, if, if that's part of their strategy to actually use it as a cool down moment, I don't agree with that. I do think there's, I think there's something to be said for trying to honor the history of NWA. I don't know if you need to constantly bombard people with it and do it every show and in between every match. Yeah. I just, I can't tell if, because they do have good wrestlers on this. They're bringing in guys that you want to see wrestle. You know, it was a pay-per-view I wanted to seek out. But at the same time, are they trying to make a nostalgia wrestling show? Or are they trying to actually be a competitive current brand? Yeah, I I don't know. I had a mutual friend of ours a couple weeks ago text me out of the blue to be like, did you know Billy Corgan owns a wrestling promotion? I was like, as a matter of fact, I did. And he's like, oh, that's awesome. I'm like, well, depending upon who you talk to, some people think he's doing a shitty job. I just, I don't get it. Uh, Like, I mean, the show, you could tell they were running off better cameras. They had better timing. It didn't seem like there were a lot of issues. So, you know, I don't know if they were using Ring of Honor's guy, you know, camera crew and everything for that. But break it. Let's break it down for a second. PCO and Brody King now have NWA Tag Team Championships, Derek. <laughs> you happy, man? Who was it? I think it was, uh, I, I think uh, Joe, Joey sent me a message on Twitter of the PCO action figure that is currently in development. Yeah. And he asked me what I thought about it. I was like, well, this it's obviously indestructible. It's a toy that you can give to any child and they'll never break it. Right. No matter how hard they try, the head will not come up, <laughs> uh, come off. I've seen him land on it a hundred times. And, oh, I did watch, There's. have you seen the PCO documentary on YouTube that somebody made? It's like 15 minutes long. I have not. It made me feel like such a piece of shit. Why? Because he seemed like such a nice guy. <laughs> like you feel like you give him way too much shit for him being like, he was nice to me at the Hyatt Regency in Schaumburg, Illinois. No, I'm saying friendly. Yeah, he seemed perfectly friendly and he was talking about being 50 years old. And he's like, I genuinely believe I have another 10 years of this left in me. Five good years. What? (laughs) I don't know. Kind of a weird way of putting it. They presented. I could keep doing this for 10. I'd only be good of it for half of that, but. 
<laughs> he is it his fault that we're having these really weird sideshow matches? The opening fucking match for the Crockett Cup like tournament was the Briscoes versus the Rock and Roll Express. Oh boy. The Rock and Roll Express, it's not even like they're on a farewell tour right now. They're just on they're a just tour. They're just out working. They're just out working. They're going out there working big tag teams. They're making towns. And it is, I mean, goddamn Ricky Morton did a tope suicida in this match. And when he landed on the ground, it looked like he broke his fucking arm. Like you could see like, oh shit, my fragile body hurts. <laughs> and he would probably punch me in the dick for saying that. But I, the thing is, I'm enjoying the shit out of their matches, but I don't want to watch these guys get hurt. Are you and getting I, more and more worried that you're going to watch one of these guys die in the ring? We watch enough wrestling, and thankfully, I've never seen an incredible... Well, fuck that. I've, I was going to say I've never seen a serious injury. I watched Takahashi break his neck right in front of my right. face. That's not true. I guess, yeah, I mean, knock on wood, I've never seen a life-ending injury, and I don't want to. That's I not hope not. That's not why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, is it... I don't know. I think you said somebody was saying that I was a bad person for for saying the uh, looking forward to Rock and Roll Express matches now. And I kind of want to just start showing Leah current Rock and Roll Express matches and just have her react because she would be shocked to see the Briscoes beating up these guys. <laughs> Why haven't you? Is she even interested? Are you going to be able to get your wife to sit down and watch something like that? I mean, a, a four-minute Cody promo is one thing. Well, you know, maybe we'll take the people to the bonus zone and just do a commentary on a match with her. We have been talking for over a year about doing a commentary episode. Is there any matches you guys, would, or pay-per-views or anything, you would want to see us do a full commentary on? Because I wouldn't that's, mind just sitting down and watching it with you that's and doing actually, that. That's actually a really good idea. You know what I mean? Like, like we should put out a like, you know, a, an invitation to send requests, and we'll pick a pay per view or something, and we'll do an audio track for it. That would be a lot of fun. That would be something new that we haven't done yet. We should look into that. Who knows? Maybe we could uh, make a monthly bonus zone out of it. We could. Oh I'm God, into. that would be a long episode. Yeah, sure would. <laughs> for a pay per view. What else? Oh, okay. Just going back to NWA for a minute. Um. Nick Aldis versus Marty Skrull was the main event for the NWA title. And it was a decent match, Derek. So you're saying somebody else got a good match out of Nick Aldis? Yes, Marty did. But I'm trying to decide, was it a good match or was it just different because Marty punched Nick Aldis in the face and busted his eyebrow open and he was just drenched in blood the rest of the match? That's your thing. That's what I mean, you like. It, it definitely adds a level of excitement to it, and maybe he just needs to bleed every match. Garrett, for me to... loves, Garrett loves some juicing. <laughs> hey, man, Garrett loves this, some week's, blood. this week's NXT, Walter gets busted open. Oh, fuck. Not on purpose, and if you try and watch the highlights from WWE's YouTube, it goes black and white when it gets to that part. Oh, that's such bullshit. So we that's know what's what... going on. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I, I felt good watching NXT UK for a minute, getting to see Walter again. I feel like we've been missing him a little bit. I love me some Walter. Garrett, um, I don't know if you have heard, 
<laughs> so there's this uh, nice little documentary series going on right now over at Viceland called Dark Side of the Ring. And over the last few days, I've gotten caught up on the episodes that have come out. There's actually another one uh, coming out tonight while we're recording this, but uh, I don't know if you've seen them yet. Um, they've done a few. They did one on Macho Man Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth. They did one on the Montreal Screwjob with Bret Hart, and then they did another one on Bruiser Brody. I watched these. They blew my mind. They're so well made. Did, how, like, Did you get a chance to check those out? I did. Uh, last night I was able to watch the Bruiser Brody one and the Macho Man one. <laughs> I was watching it on the Viceland website. And if you have somebody's cable password, which I'm using my parents because I don't have cable. <laughs> I don't know who you, I don't know what kind of money you think I have. I don't have that cable money. So I'm using my parents' cable password. I'm able to watch the first two. No problem. The Montreal Screwjob, every time I clicked it, it would tell me that's what was playing, and it would start the Bruiser Brody one. I would reset everything, try it again, and then it would play me a show about... It would say it was the Montreal Screwjob, but it was a show about cooking with marijuana. Helpful. Helpful. Not what I was looking for, though. So, my roommate actually DVR'd these unprompted. I never asked him to do this, and then he asked me about it on uh, Sunday. And I sat down and watched uh, the Macho Man one with him, and I was hooked. So I watched the other two this week, and I see. Here's the thing: I had the I had a similar issue watching that um, Montreal Screwjob one. It kept trying to play the Bruiser Brody episode. However, I got <laughs> figured it out. Okay, so that isn't just me. That's Viceland really trying to push this Bruiser Brody episode, and it fucked me up. It delivered. I didn't know very much about Bruiser Brody at all before watching this, and it affected me, and. Consider, I mean, actually, stop for a moment. Are there any other re- recorded incidents of a of another wrestler, of a wrestler murdering another wrestler at a show or period? There has to be, Or is this be, the right? only one? I mean, I you hear stories about how it used to be like the Wild West, you know, in decades past, and there were fights, and it was a kind of a rough atmosphere to be in, but I feel like this is the only one you ever really hear about. They really, truly made Puerto Rico wrestling sound like the scariest place in the world. They really, really did. I'm pretty sure. Here's the here's the awkward thing. I'm not 100% on this. I think WWE has put Carlos Colon in the Hall of Fame. Oh, that was like three years ago. This was recently that they put him in the Hall of Fame. Did that Was that a controversy? Did that come up at all? I mean, he was a guy that I knew had some shady shit in the past, but I didn't really know what it was. This really gave me a lot of information on the Bruiser Brody murder. Right. It um, Had you ever even heard of, what, Invader 1? No. <laughs> in any context besides this? I didn't know the details to his murder. I didn't realize it was... I guess I knew so little about Bruiser Brody's death that I didn't realize another wrestler had actually killed him in the locker room, basically. Well, yeah, it's Jose Gonzalez, and he performed under the name... I I keep... What is it? Invader 1? Yeah, it's Invader. Okay. I wanted to make sure. I was going to say, I had always heard that his death or his murder was violent. But I, I guess I'd never, I didn't understand. Like, I, I don't know where my mind went with that information. But this, this Viceland documentary fucking 
makes it seem like it's the worst thing ever. And to- they have Tony Atlas is the guy that's in the room when it happens. And they have him telling his side of the story. And they also had um, Dutch Mantel. And Abdullah the Butcher. And Abdullah the Butcher. And there's so... The, the thing is, I don't know if you got this since when you were watching it. Even, like, as everyone's telling their side of the story, for some reason, Dutch was the only guy I 100% believed. There were definitely things that I thought Tony Atlas was, embell- like, you know, embellishing. Right. And <laughs> they def- they also edited it to make Abdullah the Butcher. I mean, or he just truly seemed that guilty. I mean, a lot of this was done in editing, obviously, but... Yeah, it was hard to believe all sides. And even when it comes to the two people directly involved in the murder, it's kind of fucked up. So Bruiser Brody, I don't think I I knew he was like a tough, stiff wrestler, but I didn't realize he was just kind of an asshole in the ring is what it sounded like. The match you had told me that was related to this documentary was was... And Vader won against Bruiser Brody, and you had made it seem like after you watched it, like it's literally just Bruiser Brody taking advantage of him and beating the shit out of him. I felt like I watched a different match. I guess for me, it was like watching the documentary Grizzly Man, <laughs> not knowing that the after the documentary came out, that guy got eaten by a bear. <laughs> you know? <laughs> It was just so awkward watching a match that was the original cause for this guy's hatred for him. I mean, but but what's so weird about that? I mean, if you go back and watch it, like they, he puts these like towards the end of the match, he's still putting like choke, like, like holds. Yeah. Cause he doesn't, he wants to finish the match. He's not going to just quit. I'm I'm not going to say that he wasn't stiff with him, but I mean, it wasn't like it was JBL beating the shit out of the blue meanie. I guess for me, it wasn't his punches. It never looked like he was really punching him. I watched several Bruiser Brody matches last night, and it looked like the stiffest thing he did is kick you straight in the head. Yeah. And he did it to that guy a lot to the point that he's fucking spitting blood out of his mask. Like, his, he's wearing a mask, and you can see that it is now soaked in blood. Is that what made him bleed for sure? Or did they... Because did they, there's a point where he grabs him... And like starts ripping at the mask. Like, and I, I figured there was like a blade job or something that went on because they were still working together. It wasn't like there was like, it didn't seem like there was any miscommunication about, see, I guess our listeners will have to go back and watch this match between invader one and uh bruiser Brody. It's on YouTube. It's like what? Nine minutes. Yeah. It's like nine minutes long. And I, and they are so far removed from the crowd. Yeah, that was another weird thing is that it's like they're in the middle of either like a soccer field or a baseball field, but there's nobody like field level. There's nobody on the ground. Everyone's back in the stands, like, you know, maybe a hundred feet away watching this match take place with nobody around them except the camera and the ref. Which is that what made Bruiser Brody be like, if I don't punt this guy's head off, the guy in the back row isn't even going to be able to tell. So I got to make it look real good. Maybe. But the, the but did you notice how loud that crowd was too in the video? It was like they didn't mind the fact they were far away. You would have thought that they were right on top of the camera. Oh, you can tell this promotion was hot as hell. Yeah. Like they were having a blast. 
Uh, but from what I can tell, I watched some other wrestling from that. Like I watched some Abdullah Brody matches in this Puerto Rican promotion and it's the same shit. Like, but they are stabbing each other in the head. And like, what's funny is these matches. Like I watched a video, I think it was 15 minutes, seven minutes of it was the match. The rest of it was just hit bruiser Brody covered in blood running through the arena. Like, and when I say the arena, he ends up at the top of the stands and you just see people clearing as he moves. It's like a fucking Gigi Allen concert. He's covered. I had in- mentioned this to you earlier in the day, man. I got such a hard on watching that guy swing that chain and going up into the crowd and watching people run. Like there was a fucking bull that got loose on the streets. <laughs> yeah, I, there was something, this is a fan of professional wrestling to see that kind of visceral reaction from a crowd where they're like, I'm getting the fuck up out of here. I've only experienced that once. And it was with you at GCW last year, trying to get up out of your seat to run away from, from the glass that was about to be rained down upon us, <laughs> which I think was coming from Joey Janela. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who you adore by the Who way. I, oh yeah. Not afraid of Joey Janela at all. Uh, I'm trying to think, though. I mean, it's just so cool to look back and see a time where wrestling was so real that people feared this man. Yeah. And it's easy to see why. Like Again, I didn't know much about Bruiser Brody going into this, but it's before my time. It's a name you hear. You know, we have um, a guy from our hometown. Uh, he's working the, working the indie scene right now under the name Jake Durden. And he has a very Bruiser Brody look to him, and people have compared him to Bruiser Brody a little bit. I, I'm i so glad I checked out this, at least this episode of the, the Viceland series because, I don't know, I feel more informed. I feel more well-rounded now about things beyond my uh, generation. But there was another one. Can I, can we? Oh, did you, did you, did yeah, you, I had did one you more. Did you have a follow-up thought? Yeah, I did. This was something that, stuck with me too is so after that match with invader one three wrestlers had to take invader one to the hospital and even tony atlas said this dude's head was swollen up like a pumpkin like he's like brody beat the shit out of him yeah and he said on the way there he looked back at invader one and invader one said i'm gonna kill that man someday (laughs) which once again that sounds like probably not word for word what he said because tony atlas makes it all sound very (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, very matter of fact. But this was like three years prior. And then it said Brody was going to buy into the company and he was going to change shit. And one of his plans was to get rid of Invader One because he didn't like him. And it sounded like a big thing for Brody was if he didn't like a wrestler, he would beat the shit out of him in the ring. Right. And this guy, his child had just died and he knew that this dude was going to fire him. And he stabbed him. And killed him. I don't know. It's just, I could see where somebody who's in such a dark place like that could be like, basically bruiser Brody wronged him three years ago. He never forgot it. He was in a dark place and he killed him. That's kind of, I don't know. You're trying to justify the murder of bruiser Brody. I'm not trying to justify it. I'm just saying like, I wouldn't have murdered him, but I see where like a person who think of it, it's a wrestler a lot of brain damage, like a lot of hits to the head, um, probably a lot of concussions. You know, I could see how, you know, a bad situation in your life could get you fucked up and now you're taking it out on this guy. Well, based on my limited viewing of Invader One's work, he sells like a shithead. And maybe that's why Brody got a little bit pissed off and had to lay it in. 
<laughs> you were also watching a match where he was getting his ass beat for real. I bet you were seeing I'm what it looks he like. When... It. <laughs> his fucking selling was atrocious, and that's how you get somebody to, to sell is you make it real. Well, that's that uh, kind of happened. I was watching a steel cage match between Brody and Lex Luger, and just partway through the match, Brody just stopped selling. He just quit selling, and eventually Lex just left the steel cage. <laughs> and I saw I saw an interview about it later, and they asked him like, "What happened? Was something wrong?" He's like, "No, nothing's wrong." I'm like, what the fuck? Then why did you just quit? <laughs> I will say, but you hear so many. I I, I get what you, I get what you're actually getting at, which is that you feel like Brody was doing some dickhead stuff, and that was all the motivation this guy needed to exact his revenge. And clearly, he was off his rocker. I thought it was fucked up the way that a locker room full of guys wouldn't say what happened and were on his side, and it, and it just they basically got away with it. He got away with murder. And I get what you're saying about Brody beating the shit out of him being wrong. I will say also that there's plenty of people who said that Bruiser Brody was a nice guy. And it seemed like behind the scenes, it seemed like he was a nice guy. Like seeing him interact with his kid was awesome. And just seeing him like be friends with people and people talk, you know, Tony Atlas seemed to look at him as a pretty good friend. And it, I don't know. It was, he's an odd character to me now. Knowing that he beat the shit out of people for real, which they said that part of it was, you know, he's trying to protect the business. So him and Abdullah would beat the shit out of each other for real to prove that the business isn't fake. But if they're the only ones doing it, what are you really proving? Yeah. I just, I guess I, I just didn't get that mentality, but it was also a completely different time in pro wrestling. It was right. a lot more carny. It was, you know, very serious to keep it, you know, kayfabe. Yeah. Early mid eighties. I mean, that, that's right when WrestleMania is taken off, and I mean, Vince had a very specific way of doing things. The territories were still around, and some people took that shit really seriously. Obviously, did the Miss Elizabeth Macho Man Randy Savage episode did that did that touch you the way it touched me, Garrett? In a happy or sad way? Both. I will, I mean, we all, we ultimately know where this story ends up. We'll, we'll go back a little bit. I think the thing, and and I don't know, maybe this is not anything specific to do with Macho Man Randy Savage. I think the thing that fucked me up was seeing how fragile life is because when you think of Macho Man Randy Savage, you think of, how outrageous that character was and, and all the catchphrases and all the things that he did in his career and him being kind of a, a, a international icon when they showed his brother taking flowers to the tree that his car crashed at or crashed into. And it was just kind of like a mundane, normal tree that you would see in any residential neighborhood. And you realize that that is where a guy that's iconic fucking, he died. Those That's where his last moments were. Something about it really hit home with me. Like, it's just like, it doesn't matter what you do in this life or how big you get. You can still, like, find a very average spot to have your life end. As you were watching him place those flowers on the tree, were you thinking to yourself, I wonder if my business card's still in his wallet? <laughs> 
<laughs> he took a button too, by the way. If he was wearing that in the vice doc, I would have shit my pants. Yeah. Now, it, I think one of the things that fucked me up is, yeah, I agree with you. Like seeing a larger than life, like he was built up to be a God, you know? Right. But the thing that fucked me up most in this is seeing how he was in a relationship, just seeing how jealous he was. And, you know, it never said he was abusive, but he seemed emotionally abusive to her. I think from the more I've, I've listened to like shoot interviews with guys, especially like the, the things I've heard about Kevin Nash being able to make his marriage work. The thing you always hear is don't get your significant other involved in the pro wrestling business. And I, and the, well, basically what I got out of that story is that Randy was really paranoid that because the person that he loved was in the pro wrestling business, basically he thought what, what was going to happen to him is what happened to Kurt Angle where Jeff Jarrett basically stole Kurt Angle's wife from him. I'm not justifying him being like paranoid or whatever, but I like, just like you were saying about fucking invader one, I think I understand where that can come from. And it doesn't like, again, it doesn't sound like he was being physically abusive. Lex Luger, on the other hand, two bruised eyes to miss Elizabeth drug overdose. And, and the thing is they really were like, and I think they may always be, they're considered like the iconic pro wrestling couple, Elizabeth and Macho Man. The next big thing that's going to happen is Randy Orton's going to fuck Candice LeRae. <laughs> <laughs> and, and steal her from Johnny Gargano. And they're going to make that a real life thing. And now she's his valet and hopefully one day puts her back up on his shoulder and we all cheer and cry. But did you learn anything like what? Like, did you learn anything about this that you didn't know already? I think for me, a lot of it, the most that like what I said is what I took away really was just seeing who he was as a person around her. But it also seemed like around children, he was just the coolest dude. Right. I don't know. It was, it's weird to learn more about these guys behind the scenes and see, you know, home like photos of him and hear his friends actually talk about instances. Uh, I don't know. It's just seeing the the dynamic behind the scenes of him and Miss Elizabeth fucked me up a little bit and kind of, I, it didn't ruin the way I look at macho man, but it made it different. I would agree with that. I, I also think another really sad moment in that is when they do the interview with him, when he's, <laughs> when he's like hip hop macho man and it's after Miss Elizabeth has passed. And they interview asking about, you know, what his thoughts are. And it it's crazy because it's so late in the episode when they do this. And you've just heard their entire journey and their history and their relationship together and everything they went through. To see a person have to resort to basically being like, oh, I feel really bad for her family. We were really close and everything. And that's kind of the end of their story. That this, uh, some like your significant other can basically have an, a mic shoved in their face and basically all you can say is I feel bad for her family and going to miss her. And that's sad. Yeah. I, yeah, man. Seeing him as an old, like when he was old and retired, I just, I don't know if I had ever really seen photos of gray hair, gray beard, macho man and seeing those pictures of him with his, his new wife at that point. I don't know. It was just nice to, it kind of looked like Macho Man had found peace a little bit. Yeah. 
And it made me happy seeing that, you know, it looked like he has gotten past a lot of stuff and just looked like a happy old man. Well, these were really good. And you definitely need, when you get a chance, need to go check out that Montreal screw job one. And obviously they got one about the Von Eriks coming out uh, this week. So I'll have to check that one out as well. And there's, I think there's a few more on the way. These Viceland dark side of the ring or dark side of wrestling, whatever the hell it's called. I think it's dark side of the ring. Check them out if you haven't already. They're fantastic. The the dramatic reenactments that they have with the uh, actors, god damn, they, they put a lot of effort into making these things like really, really good. I mean, Spike so, uh, Jones produced it. I saw that yeah. in the, the credits, and I th- thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. But we do have uh, two days of New Japan pay-per-views, to two in the morning today and tomorrow. Wow, there's a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, the big matches, uh, it's Dontaku. The big matches, I believe, we have Tai Chi versus... Tai Chi versus Jeff Cobb for the Never Open Weight title. And then the main event of that show is going to be Dragon Lee versus Ishimori for the the junior heavyweight title. Then the second night, the main event is Sonata versus Okada for the title. And... I don't know if you saw, they're having the uh, best of the super juniors coming up and there's one spot that's left as a mystery. You don't know who it's going to be. And there is a hell of a lot of speculation that Takahashi's coming back. He's back. Is he there's, healthy? We're, we haven't seen him. There's just rumors that that he could potentially be the mystery opponent. And I can't think of a better mystery opponent. I'm just, I'm ready for the guy to be back. I hope he's healthy. I hope he's good. That's exciting. The other thing is, Next week, we're going to be doing a review of what was supposed to be my first ever pro wrestling event, but was not to be. We will be talking about WCW Slamboree 1999. Uh, next Thursday's episode will actually be the 20-year anniversary to the day, May 9th. So we're going to celebrate a good time you didn't get to have. I, we're going to celebrate. Maybe. Maybe we'll be celebrating something that was bad that I didn't have to experience, but... Either way, I didn't go to my first pro wrestling show in 2000 until 2004, and this was supposed to happen, you know, a few years before that. And I've always, I've never seen this this uh, pay per view before, and I'd kind of like to go back and see what I would have uh, seen at my first uh, pro wrestling show had I gone. And this took place in St. Louis, Gary. I think this was at the uh, TWA Dome. Is that the what became the Edward Jones Dome? I believe so, but okay. we'll we'll go back and check this out, and that's what we'll be doing on next week's episode. Obviously, we'll have some New Japan stuff to talk about, maybe some more Viceland uh, Dark Side of the Ring episodes to uh, cover. You want me to get Leah to watch some uh, some Rock and Roll Express and get her to come on with us next week and do a few minutes giving her thoughts on what it's like to watch the Rock and Roll Express in the year 2019? Yeah, why not? Why the hell not? I just, I, I'm excited to show her that. What are you going to tell me, Derek? I'm not going to tell you anything, but I, I'm going to recommend that you uh, do the thing that we have not done this entire episode. Somehow we have not told the people how they can help us out, nor have we told them how they can reach out to us on social media. Do you want me to cover half and you cover half, or do you want to do the whole thing or do you want me to do the whole thing? How do you feel, Derek? Where Do, do you feel like uh, you're going to be more effective at getting... You know what? You ask them for the reviews because it's your fucking birthday and they're going <laughs> to feel guilty. It. That's true. That's a great strategy. Guys, you're listening to this. It's my birthday soon. 
As a matter of fact, if you're listening to this the day it comes out, it's my birthday tomorrow. The ultimate birthday gift for me. If you're a fan of Predetermined Pro Wrestling Hangout, go over to iTunes, give us five stars, leave a really nice review. You give us that review, you know how it works. We have to uh, watch or listen or observe, check out something. As long as it's even slightly related to pro wrestling, we will talk about it on the podcast. And uh, yeah, that would be the best birthday present you could give me. Another review. Please, please do it for me. And while you're doing that, be sure to check us out on social media. We're at Predetermined Podcast on Instagram. We're at Wrestle Hangout on Twitter and Facebook. I am at Gartet on social media. Derek is at Halloween Halpin. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening this week. Uh, next week's episode is number 69, which is going to make somebody giggle. Probably nice. us. Nice. Nice. Uh, so what I'm going to do right now is go watch my goddamn St. Louis Blues, hopefully beat the Dallas Stars. And you're going to edit this episode so it's up at midnight? Huh? We'll see, man. Hey, if this episode came out a little after midnight this week, it's because I stayed up too late watching hockey. And you know what? You can hit our goddamn music to that. <laughs> <laughs>